welcome to episode number 87 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians and sometimes writers talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. All right, welcome. Welcome back. Episode 87. I hope I didn't inconvenience anyone last week. Not having an episode. We had a last-minute rescheduling. Things got a little mixed up. Uh, It's not something that I like to happen. It's not something that I've really let happen too many times before. But, you know, it's part of something that I've been trying to do this winter. I talk about it being a slower season. I am trying to accept that. I'm trying not to put too much on my plate to try and force myself to work extra hard to make up for that. Just try to focus on on doing this out of enjoyment and not out of, you know, the need to just do it every week. Although I like doing it every week. I like when I'm able to do it every week. But also, I like enjoying my time and my sanity. (laughs) So it's, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. You know, we have so much access to... All sorts of content, all sorts of, of things that we we have the choice to, you know, watch movies and TV and we have music and, and books to read and we have this, you know, this problem with making the right ones. Are we, are we doing the right things for ourselves, for our own betterment, watching the right movies and watching the TV shows that we need to know about and spending our time productively and being productive and I think when it comes to doing the things that you're passionate about it can be tough to realize that you have to adapt I set so many intentions for myself on the weekly I set them like at the very beginning of doing this podcast and it's it's tough it's tough to deal with the fact that things change that you have to adapt that you have to sometimes just like let life happen and let it be okay to not do it exactly as you said you were going to do it. And I know that you're sitting here thinking, is this all because you missed one episode? And yes, but it's also a big topic in my conversation this week with Rivka Yecker, co-founder of Hooligan Magazine, someone who understands the balancing act, just like my friends. At Jordan's Omelets. Talk about a daily planner. Monday, omelets. Tuesday, omelets. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, omelets. Does this sound like your ideal calendar? Then jordansomelets.com is the website for you. Don't let conventional weekly schedules drag you down. Roswell Kid quasi vocalist Jordan Hudkins is blogging his breakfast like never before. Log on to the internet's best omelet blog, jordansomelets.com, and enjoy omelets every day. All right. My guest this week is Rivka Yecker, the co-founder of Hooligan Mag. Hooligan is a webzine Rivka started four years ago with Morgan Martinez. It was split between Chicago and Milwaukee. Founded as an arts magazine, Hooligan brought a passionate focus onto a wide range of creators, all sorts of different people doing different things, speaking about their experiences, Hooligan has always been focused on authenticity, and it shows in the people they cover and the way they cover it. You read Hooligan, and you can feel 
the conviction that goes into every component of it, the writing, the layouts, the stories that are shared. And while they're able to cover this unbelievably impressive wide range of artists, they're also honed in on a set of musicians who also bring that same passion and ambition into their work. They've done excellent stories on Mitski, Japanese Breakfast, Namdi, Vagabond, and Julian Baker. And that article in particular really jumped out to me just being so locked in, so personal. Reeve and I, we have a lot of mutual friends. We connected eventually. And in talking to her about Hooligan, it was inspiring to meet with someone who was approaching her creation in a lot of the same ways I've tried to approach this show. So I've always felt an extreme appreciation for the work she does. And, you know, they got their four-year anniversary party coming up this weekend. I figured it'd be as good a time as any to get Rivka in here to talk about Hooligan in all facets and talk about what she puts into it and how she does it. And God, this is this interview was so much fun and it was so nice to go back to it and listen to it and kind of apply all of the thinking to, to my little week off here. Well, let's get to it. This is me and Rivka Yecker. Training. We're like so many things are just like so much in the works. up in the air. But volumes, I never, I, I, I go, I go to Wicker Park. Like, yeah. I ride through it once a week to go to therapy, mm. and that's like all I do in Wicker Park anymore. Just ride through. I'm just like passing. It's like you're still the same. Ah, uh, so it's like good, good to keep riding because. I, <laughs> It's tough. Good luck. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, you've been at Volumes for a while, right? Like, yeah. Since they started? Mm-hmm. Since going to be two years in March. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in the Northwest suburbs. Yeah? Yeah. Which one? Uh, Buffalo Grove area. Oh, like, okay. I mean, cl- more towards Vernon Hills. Yeah. Um, was there a, was Santa's Village in Vernon Hills? Yeah. The, 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 there's a mall? Yeah, What's the mall. in Vernon Hills? There's either a mall or there's Santa's Hawthorne Village. Hawthorne Mall. Hawthorne Mall. Is the mall. I've been to. Because I'm from Crystal Lake. Oh. So. Well, I went to school. I'm like middle school in Mundelein. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, Mundelein's like up north. Yeah. And then you were like northwest. Yes, then. exactly. Okay. Yeah. So what did your parents do? Uh, so my parents came from the Soviet Union. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so I'm first generation uh-huh. here. My dad's from Belarus. My mom's from, um, well, she's born in Siberia, but lived in Tajikistan for most of, until she was uh-huh. 22. And then um, sh- they m- came at different times. They were like Soviet refugees at the time because they're Jewish. And so uh-huh. um, they came here to Chicago at different times. My dad came first and then he kind of went through, there was like a program for Soviet refugees through uh-huh. like the temple and they kind of gave some like money. They There was like a lot of volunteers helping like them out. Yeah. So they got kind of housing. They lived in like Chicago and my dad went to like finished high school in Rogers Park. He was 17, like went to Mather, you know, stayed in um, Rogers Park. And it, that's a pretty typical, like for the Soviet refugees, like if they come to Chicago, it's like move to Rogers Park uh-huh. And they keep going northwest. Oh, it's like okay. this really okay. interesting, yeah. Yeah, that migration pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really so. There's a pretty big population of like Russian Jews in uh-huh. the northwest area. Is Be- Belarus still a country now? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. but yeah. it wasn't that. It was just all. It was all part of the USSR. Yeah. So he was. I mean, was it like? Was there an incident that sent them out? Or yeah, like 
as at the time, a lot of like Soviet Jews were trying to leave because like it was just not good for Jews to live there. Like it was like I know he I mean, he dealt with like actual like violent anti-Semitism and just Uh like brutal um like he got like his tooth like he got like beat up and he has he had like a fake tooth for a while i never understood why like he just told me he got into a fight and then like kind of recently i was like what is up with that and he's like when uh-huh. i was a kid i got like punched in the face by like a nazi like a, i mean wow. like a fascist like you know right, like right. you know belarusian kid Jeez. yeah and like for being jewish and so then he now he's like a fake tooth but um yeah he Pretty much, um, I, I think it was like a lot of, at the time, yeah, it was just like realizing at that point when the Soviet refugees were leaving, they had the, op- the opportunity to go to America or Israel and they chose America. So it was, uh-huh. yeah. So it was, it was like a, like a group yeah yeah it wasn't like individual right yeah Uh it was it was a lot yeah like my my dad well you have to kind of know someone here first so like my dad's like dad's sister was got here so it's like a like maybe like five years before yeah somehow so then because they knew her they were able to like come through uh-huh. and they went through italy same with my mom and my grandma like they went through italy so it's yeah. like yeah pretty that was like the trajectory so they like went uh-huh yeah and then they met here yeah they but met how did they meet? my dad uh like it was kind of like set up like my my dad's mom was an accountant for my grand, my mom's mom's sister. So uh-huh. like my grandma's sister. They're all back in the old country. No, they're all here. They're all here. Yeah, okay. I lived with my okay. grand. My, my my mom's mom lived with me my whole life. So uh-huh. like, um, yeah. So my so pretty much they like set them up here and like at a party. Uh-huh. And it's funny because my mom's kind of this like hot shot. My dad's like this nerd. What do you mean hot shot? She just like she got proposed to like many times. Oh, like yeah. she's just like you know like cool and whatever. And um, my dad's like this big nerd. Yeah. And but he like they were dating and then he bought her a puppy. Uh-huh. And then she like and then he proposed like a few weeks later. <laughs> Like and then she's like, yeah, yeah. So they were like dating, but they weren't like exclusively dating. Yeah, he's like competing. Yeah, and his his idea is like, well, everybody's giving her like trinkets, right, 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 and cufflinks. Get her a dog. I'll give her a dog. That's so perfect. Yeah. What was the dog's name? Lala. Wow. Cocker spaniel. (laughs) Love her. She's That's right. Do you remember? You yeah, grew yeah. up with Lala? Yeah, yeah. I was like, but she died when I was in the third grade. Uh huh. So, um, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Yeah. But now my brother has a corgi named Louie. Uh huh. So, Louie and Lala. Yeah. And you we love the elements. <laughs> <named> Laverne. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do they do though you're, you're my dad um so well my mom was a journalist in Tajikistan and uh-huh. she did like radio shows actually oh wow um yeah she wrote um but then obviously coming to a new country really hard to translate those skills especially right. if you're doing yeah so she ended up getting my dad got he went to school at northeastern uh-huh. um for computer science okay and so then he ended up doing like computer science business management stuff yeah my mom got a master's in business management because she had already had her undergrad in Tajikistan. so yeah it was uh pretty much they ended up starting a company that was like computer science my dad codes he does consulting for like different yeah. yeah companies he's still he's kept up with it too he's still it's, doing it yeah that's awesome yeah he's yeah working in the year that's amazing like the the adaptation that's had to have taken place from that guy uh-huh is he just always like is he smart he's a smart guy he's a smart guy he's uh-huh. an aries yeah 
on the and you're a Libra. Libra. Uh-huh. And you were born on Yom Kippur. Yeah. Which is like I mean, reading that that poem, it's like, oh wow, you 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 put they put everything on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Five thousand seven hundred seventy six years is yes. the is the name of the poem. So Yom Kippur is 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 the the Jewish holiday. It's the the beginning of creation. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and and then you got that Libra. Yeah. So Libra it's the balancing. There's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, the way I saw it was kind of like there's a lot that I'm holding. Um, also, like the name Rifka means to bind together. Uh-huh. So it was a lot of like that, like to bind together and then like holding everything on my shoulders and making sure everyone else is happy. It's kind of, and then yeah. like Yom Kippur is like this day of atonement, making sure that you're asking everyone you know for forgiveness. So uh-huh. it's like all these, like all this weight of right. like responsibility. Right. So you're, yeah, you're, you're making sure that everyone's doing good. And then every once in a while you gotta be like, Hey, we're cool. Right. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Come on. Like, sorry if I uh-huh. said that right. that one time, uh-huh. you know, like, sorry if I yeah did that thing. This <laughs> <laughs> is just, I don't know. I'm being very non-specific yeah, about yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. What is it, and you got siblings? I got a brother. Yeah. yeah. What's his story? He's just got accepted to med school. Uh-huh. Um, he's in D.C. right now working for the National Institute of Health. And um, so working for the government. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's looking into Pittsburgh or Ohio State right now. So yeah. that's pretty cool. And so back to the kind of Midwest or like close to the Midwest. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's uh, he's uh, only two years older than me. So he's yeah. um, he's pretty much like he's like the science, you know, math one. Right. Total opposite. Humanities Rivka. Yeah. Very classic. Yeah. yeah. Is, is Becky, is that a nickname for Rivka then? It's so Rebecca is oh, like okay. the full, yeah. So my like legal name, uh-huh. Rebecca. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then Becky's like a nickname. Yeah. If we're like in English. And then Rifka is the name that I go by. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you started doing that recently, right? Because I'm like, looking at Hooligan yeah, and yeah. Like Becky and yeah, then yeah. Like up until like- It was like two years ago uh-huh. I started doing it. It was actually, I was sitting in like an existentialist philosophy class. Yes. And- right. This is Sartre. <laughs> we were just in the kitchen talking about Yeah. This. Yeah. And I was sitting there and I was like, man, like- I can't do this. Like I just, it was a name that I always felt disconnected from. Uh-huh. It was something that you know. I think my parents, like you know, I, I thought a lot about assimilation and like why, um, you know, Rebecca. So Rebecca is the English American version of Rivka, and right. like I was named after my great grandma Rivka. Uh-huh. So that was just like a name I went by in Hebrew school. That was a name by like my, you know, I would, a nickname that I would be called. Yeah. And I was like, one day I was just like, this is just a name that I feel way closer to. Right. And it's like already my name. I'm yeah. just gonna just go with take it. that out. And people were really like, they went with it. That's they like, great. your parents probably took a lot of pride in that too. Yeah. Because I mean, the, the assimilation, it's like, it's your, you're setting the intention that like, no, like, this is this is who we are. We're, you know, we're not like we're not gonna have to anglicize ourselves. Right. Like this is the people that I come from. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think and it's and it's like obviously, you know, they I get like they call me so many different nicknames, so it's like I get a mixture of everything. Yeah. Um my mom calls me Kwishka, which is cat in Russian. Uh-huh. So like I get so many just I feel like names to me like I when you have different nicknames and so many of them, like there's this weird moment where you kind of have to figure out okay what name do I feel closest to and like that I want to be called by and like that's a lot of people who like go through gender um like 
gender like if they're yeah, you know if they want to change their name because they right. they don't feel comfortable with their gender whatever it is and i think uh, it's really cool now with the internet because you could just make your facebook name whatever you want and right. people will call you that because that's yeah. just like what they see yeah and it's and it's it's such a quick adjustment too at this point that's been like you know my my brother is 21 and his legal name is john but he he's been jack since birth yeah but you know, when he was in school, he started going by John when he was like nine or 10. Yeah. And then, you know, fast forward to like 10 years later and we're like first having the discussion that he like goes by John to everybody else. And like, that's how he kind of prefers to be referred to. And I'm like, but you're Jack. All right. It's, 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 it's okay. It's still an adjustment yeah. for me, but yeah. like that's like at the very least how I introduce him sure. to everybody. Yeah, that's yeah, know? that's exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I think it is interesting cuz I mean like you're given a name when you're born and then you kind of have to figure out and a lot of people like even um we had a lot of Rebecca's at the at volumes. Yeah. And uh, where I work and uh like I know that you know, my boss used to be called Becky and then she decided to just go back to Rebecca. And then yeah. I have a lot of, like, it's just, it's a lot of, and then I know a lot of other people recently starting to take on their Hebrew names too, or like they're like, you know, because it is like Yiddish Hebrew name. Uh-huh. Um, there are a lot of people taking on maybe a cultural name that they feel closer to, maybe their middle name. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it's definitely, uh, I mean, it, it's your identity. It's how you present. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. So did you grow up then in a, was it a pretty, like, was it a strict religious house or was it like it was loose? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because the Soviet Jewish experience. So when they were in Soviet Union, you don't. It was you, like they weren't very religious um, because obviously, like it's just because of how prevalent anti-Semitism was. So right. like you have to be kind of quiet about being Jewish. Uh-huh. And so when they got here, they it's not like they knew the prayers by heart or they knew them, but like very loosely. So I grew up kind of not really like american judaism seemed way like it felt very alienating because i didn't have the same experience as a lot of american jews um so for me it was like i went to a synagogue i went to humanistic synagogue which was really weird because it was focused more on like the human like like there we there wasn't as much talk about god as you would in like another synagogue right so, so maybe like a little bit more like a contemporary yeah. type of yeah church. It's, okay. yeah it was definitely more like i don't know i don't know i wouldn't even call it i don't know like it just it felt very much like we would have sunday school and we would talk about like philo- like the philosophy of the torah or we would talk about like pop culture of jewish people like uh-huh. our culture or like play like it was very it was about the humans like in jewish culture right rather you know Um, but then when I got to college, I was really interested in like starting my own Jewish group, Uh like reclaiming my Judaism in that way. And like I did, I started like a group in Chicago called cool Chicago Jews. Yeah. And it's like a lot of like (laughs) leftist radical Jews, um, a lot of queer Jews, a lot of just like Jews have felt marginalized by Judaism at some point, but like want to have it in their own way, basically. Right. So that and that's really cool we do different you know we do shabbat which is on friday nights it's kind of like our dinner and we like get together and then we do um different like holidays so it's it's pretty rad like we we get a lot of activists in the group a lot of people who care about 
leftist radical politics. Right. So yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So is it is it something that like you know it, it, does that come out of a um, you know I guess like a as you age and like you know your teenage years are kind of a lot of uh wrestling of like you know how you perceive your own like the faith that you grow up in and like how it applies to you and stuff like that so it's i guess it's interesting um and pretty rare that you have gone the path like towards your faith yeah as opposed to away from it which yeah. is where like everybody goes especially in like you totally. know totally DIY culture. Yeah. Which is interesting because I know that um, we've talked about Julian Baker before. Right. Um, and like I know in, in when we had me and her have talked about this a ton because she's pretty um, like she's into faith and um, her religion. And I've talked about being Jewish and queer and like what that means to me. And like um, I also think that um, for me, it was definitely trying to find a way to reclaim, especially being Jewish. It's like so difficult because it's also like an ethnicity. It's like it's like not just a religion, but right. it's like a cultural like marker yeah. of like identity. So um, it's like difficult to detach from. So if I was able to embrace that in a way that felt comfortable for me, like why not do it? Yeah, for and sure. So, yeah, I, like I I wouldn't even say. I'm like a super like I don't abide by religion and like all these different ways. I don't like sit. I, I view religion as a tool to like for guidance and like a tool um, to come together with community. Yeah. More so than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think like, you know, that's that's a pretty important aspect to it where it's like like it's really easy to be a lapsed Catholic. Mm hmm. I don't have anything that like shows that I was raised in a Catholic ha mm -hmm. household as opposed to like the ethnic aspect of, of Judaism, right. which I mean, and there's, there's fucking years of like awfulness that's yeah. attached to it yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, you know, was there music in the house when you were growing up, like arts and culture and yeah, things like that? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. That was like something my parents were very um, adamant about. They, all, we they always dragged us to plays and like uh -huh. in, like concerts. I mean like I mean like classical co music concerts. It was, I yeah. think it's also like coming like being from um, Russia or Soviet Union. Uh, they had such a like emphasis on culture and making sure we're well rounded and worldly and right. like, listen to international music. Uh -huh. And we try different foods and like that was super important. Um, yeah, uh, I played piano for seven years. My brother played guitar. We like my like mom's side. They're all like professional classical musicians. Uh -huh. Like so, like lots of music in the house. My grandma like sings really beautifully. Um, always playing. My my we my family. My mom would always play like Leonard Cohen. Um, I yeah. love ABBA. Uh, that was like a big because those records sound incredible. Amazing. So love good. British pop music. Uh huh. Or they're not British. <laughs> they're they're Swedish. Swedish. But yeah. I I do love British pop music. And also Swedish pop music. I got a real appreciation for ABBA like recently reading like about a period of Elvis Costello. Yeah. Where he's just he's ripping off ABBA. Oh yeah. In 1979 that's like all he's listening to is ABBA. That's <laughs> how I feel like Carly Rae Jepsen is right oh, now. Yeah. I they, think. They just sound so thick. They're yes. so beautifully produced. Yes. Yes. I just think that there's like this really interesting I don't know, uh, like ABBA and I like Carly, like I relate Carly Rae Jepsen to them now because there's this like happiness like in uh -huh. the music. It like feel like you said, like it's big. It feels like, like it, 
there's I don't know what it is I like I usually think I think a better way of explaining it but all I know is that there's a connection between them and that pop music is good as hell well it's been I think it's really interesting looking at Carly Rae and seeing the impact that she has on so many adults or like you know grown-up kids that we are so my friends love Carly Rae Jepsen my friend David Anthony loves Carly Rae and I've I guess I've never, like, never really gone down the path but I see it because I think it's like it's really nice to have any sort of art that is that non-judgmental yes and that's something that I apply to like my love of like professional wrestling yeah is just like a really really deep appreciation for the fact that they know what they're doing and they know that we know what they're doing and we're just all taking part gleefully and that's all it has to be exactly exactly like i i it's it's something i've been thinking about a lot not this year but last year when i was letting myself like pop music again yeah um and i went to see carly ray um for free at the chop shop oh Awesome. Yeah, it was Eminem sponsored. Yeah. yeah, I went. It was <laughs> wild. Um, and I like I love her and it was something and I'm someone who is very like anti pop, like anti just like I had a lot of like internalized misogyny when I was in high school. Oh, yeah, you for know, sure. a lot of just like that's stupid. Like yeah, anything yeah. that a girl likes is dumb. Right. And like all this stuff and just kind of retaliating against whatever. And it was funny because I was still like I was a feminist, so it didn't yeah, make any I- sense. <laughs> like I was but I was cool, I was different, whatever. Right. Right. Um, but what was interesting about um, Carly Rae is that I like started letting myself listen to her albums in full. And like she's got good like the albums are good. Yeah. Like they're really good. And then after Carly, I let myself love the new Lord album. And then yeah. I liked Kesha. That Lord record's so good. Melodrama. Oh, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. It's a good album. She's great. She's great. So have you, and you were writing at an early age too? Have you just kind of always been yeah, doing that? Yeah. I started getting into like slam poetry when yeah. I was in high school. Uh-huh. That was like kind of my first, I knew I wanted to come. I wanted to like just go do slam. Um, and I did that for, like I did open mics and stuff for a bit. At uh-huh. Young Chicago Authors, I went for a little bit at Wordplay. That was like kind of my introduction um, to it. And then I started working at a coffee shop started running my own open mics and i was yeah. kind of that path uh-huh. um but yeah i it's interesting there was a point in my life where i was in high school where i had a friend who wrote poetry and i didn't want her to think that i was copying her if i started writing poetry so i like for a long time didn't let myself write or like share my writing because uh-huh. i didn't want her to think that i was trying to like like I just like it was one of those things where I was like I don't have a, there, there's no place for me there like I was a film person all the time like right. I was always like I watch movies like that's my thing film is my thing blah uh-huh. blah blah um, I started like a filmmaking club in high school but like the writing I was always like that's not for me I'll write screenplays but I can't write poetry because like she does that she does like the photography and the poetry right and but then one day I was like screw this I'm good at it I'm just gonna do it so well, why why would you think that she would have a problem with it you know fr- you know girls in high school uh-huh. you just there's this like especially if you're like the only two art people yeah and then like there's this weird tension i don't know i just didn't want her to think that i was cat it was this weird thing i like uh-huh. really didn't let myself do it yeah this like you know 
proving I'm an individual that can't I don't know right no no and I I I guess I I guess I see that going back to that conversation about like not wanting anybody to be mad at you for anything yeah it's like what it is like yeah I don't want to I don't want to step on your right exactly well she was probably excited that you were writing that you could like share things right I think so I think she was Uh totally fine with it Uh (laughs) like so where were you where you were discovering because you were you know were you going like online and like finding like different types of yeah slam poetry is like its own thing and then there's Something. like there's like the tumblr yeah. you know that sort of like blogging thing this is all like it's on tumblr know, yeah right was doing the internet but yeah but tumblr is like i think tumblr is a really interesting like medium and it's one that's mm-hmm. like it's got i think a lot of attachments to it but all those attachments are just from people who are outside of it who are you know not really willing to accept that like things are changing like mediums are different now and it doesn't make one thing not legit just because it's not like printed it's not a great yeah no and that was kind of where i started and it's like it is funny because i think there are a lot of people my age and like start uh, did start there and it's it's like this sort of embarrassing like like admitting that yeah like i learned a lot on tumblr right but at the same time a lot of people are on twitter now learning a lot you know like it just takes form in different ways um i think the fact that that information is accessible and like i mean i wouldn't be who i am without that information you know Mm -hmm. even like that feminist or like that poetry or like whatever it was that i was starting to look at when i was like 15 you know yeah changed you know everything so and it all seems like it's not bound by this by the same conventions yeah like you know i read a lot of your a lot of your poetry and you know it's like i guess describing it under like a catch-all like prose poetry you know there's 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 so many conventions that are attached to to writing that would probably try and like get you to follow a different form and fuck that fuck that yep (laughs) <laughs> agreed yeah we were just talking about like genre bending and like how like i was telling you i reading a lot of like maggie nelson and like yeah. she totally just defies what it means to be a poet like i always say and like maybe some people might hate me for saying this but i think that fiction write like if if you can write poetry you can write anything yeah that's like my take like i think that because you can write a really you can write like fiction not every fiction writer like not every non-poetry writer can write poetry right like poetry is like not always a medium that people can get into um but i think poets can like touch anything and like do a good job with it like yeah absolutely well because it's 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 the language exactly you have to to understand it and exactly you know i love one of the things i love about poetry i was talking to my partner about this recently is that it's it's really the medium where you get to go in and you get to decide all right, well, this is how punctuation works. Yes. This is how line spacing works. Yes. And, you know, like what defines good poetry is just consistent within that world. Exactly. It's incredible. It's, it's kind of like like building a world within a film. It's uh-huh. like I'm deciding these conventions and you're just going to have to roll with it because you're the person reading it or consuming it, whatever it is. And that's like what's so cool about like to me, like film and poetry and like these different things that we're creating. And even in fiction where you're defined like these standards of punctuation and whatever grammar whatever it is i think i think it's fun i think it's interesting to see i think it's important to know the foundation like i think you should learn and understand punctuation in order to reject it yeah Uh, yeah that's 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 super super modernistic and you know i feel like everything everything that's happened since like 1900 has been like a new like realization that like fuck everything that came before and 
Yeah, we're, we're starting on on our own thing, our yeah. own like technological thing. You've mentioned film a couple times. I yeah. know that's like is that that's your that's your major. That's right? my that's what I you're do. Yeah, studying yeah. That's one of my majors. I uh-huh. do like a double major and a minor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, media and cinema like studies, which is more of the theory um, rather than production. So I just do like a lot of like film and media analysis and theory, and um, yeah, it's like definitely what I'm very passionate about. Um, so is it more an is an analysis based on like a cultural perspective or like a form based? Both. Um, like right now, for instance, I'm taking one a psychotic women in horror film class, and oh, then I'm taking yeah. oh, wonderful, uh-huh. and then I'm also taking um, a semiotics in storytelling within film class. So like if you look at both those classes, one of them I'm focusing on the genre and how like I'm actually for that I'm going to be writing about. Um, Park Chan Wook's films like The Handmaiden and like um, Old Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really love his movies. And I think that. So freaking brutal. Brutal. Completely brutal. And and like there's I'm actually exploring like the fine line between psychological thriller and horror. Uh And then but I mean, the women are still portrayed as as in a certain light. So I'm I'm kind of, you know, watch or like exploring that. But that focuses on genre. Right. um, Whereas um, the semiotics focuses more on this like like theory and like we're like i'm gonna explore we we look at like the actual conventions of the filmmaking so Uh like a cinematographer we're like looking at like the mise-en-scene of the actual frame right so the composition itself exactly yeah yeah it was just like listening to um a podcast and it was talking about i mean I, i'm gonna sound like an asshole for for saying steven spielberg like within a conversation about no <laughs> but like they were just like talking about that like that guy's ability to just like characterize someone or allow just like a tiny motion to just say so much yes he fits so much into his yes into his work and i just like I, you know that's such an interesting like concept to just have someone point out to you but they're like yeah the way some guy like takes off his hat and puts it back on just like tells you everything that you need to know it's a beautiful language yeah that's my favorite part it's like everything in a film everything in each scene is intentional yeah so like when i analyze a film and i look at even just like a two second clip it's like every single bit of that was there for a reason so yeah. how do i deduct like it's like i think of like sherlock holmes like deducting reason and like right. all this stuff like how do we find all these clues and information just by looking at what isn't and is there right it's it is it's it so feels good. like detective it's work so yeah good love it i just saw have you seen a serious man that coen brothers movie oh i love yeah i it's, just saw great, it for the yeah. first time it's, it's great. so incredible love They'd, coen brothers oh, they're amazing they're impeccable that, like I, I get all film broy about it yeah. because, but then I'm also like, they're just so good, like they are, and like, um, because I'll, I'll I'll have moments like, oh whatever, Cohen Brothers, you know, trying to be like, yeah, uh, just like every right, yeah, 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 because yeah. you've graduated that, yeah, you're you're I'm past done. it at this point. But then now I'll watch them to Fellini and right, like, right, right, you're doing over the it. whole uh-huh. yeah. But um, but then I'll, I'll rewatch a Cohen Brothers movie and I'll be like, fuck. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I just love how they have this way of just like so cycling good. through every bit of anxiety that yes. a person has yes. just seamlessly. He goes into that office and mm-hmm. he sits down and five people enter his life that just make him go fucking crazy. Yeah. 
and yeah. it's brutal. It's like it's so like I said intentional, but like it's just like so slow. Have you seen Barton Fink ever? Yeah, Barton Fink's That's, incredible yeah, too. One of my favorites of theirs. I like you know, and it's I think it's it's good to like look at the things that really, really like got you going in the first place, yep. going to like slam poetry uh -huh. and Tumblr and like, you know, like the pop punk bands that you liked when you were 16 that you're embarrassed by now and be like, no, <laughs> that's important. It's good. It sets down a foundation. It's like exploring kind of that guilt, like, well, we, we say guilty pleasures. Right. You know, why is that? Uh -huh. And, um, I think I even like said this like maybe even a year ago, but I was like letting myself like enjoy going out to pop music because like letting myself enjoy pop music was the best thing I could do for myself right. because like just letting yourself enjoy a shitty TV, like a shitty TV show or, uh -huh. you know, a band that like I think it I think it is detaching, especially I think if you grew up in DIY or like going to like punk or emo shows or whatever it is, you're kind of creating this credit for yourself. Right. Like, exactly. yeah, I know it I know a ton. Especially for yeah. me, like as someone who's like AFAB, like growing up and like having to prove my cred and like you know, constantly to like men and just being like, Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Like I know a lot about this in like Right, you know, yeah, like yeah. trying to be like, uh -huh, yeah, like uh -huh. let me list off everything I know about hardcore and fucking. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been there. I've been, I've been there. Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 important. It's like that's. I'm, I think I'm like exploring now the the amount of self care that goes into that, into accepting those parts of yourself. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. so you know, it's it's interesting because I'm 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 looking at like the things that you're into, and it's it's all very very broad, and it's like it's all a part of like. You remind me of like, you know, people that I know in my life who who have to, in order to do one thing, they have to know everything else that's like surrounding. Exactly. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Susan Sontag, one who's like my like one of my biggest inspirations, she says like a writer is passionate about everything. So uh -huh. um, that I think that really is true. I think that as a writer, as someone who is involved um with even if it's cultural critique media critique analysis theory um even poetry whatever it is like you have to know what you're writing about you have and then you have to know what you're writing about in relation to another thing you're writing about like right. everything is important to know um because everything carries a symbol exactly within it yeah and it's it's like you know we just talked about like saying fuck history but like <laughs> everything is you know within a word or you know a character or yeah something like that. exactly it's all there yeah it's semiotics of everything like it's there's that's something that when, since i was a kid it was like really i would used to like sit on my computer and write biographies of like actors in hollywood it was so weird i used to do the same thing with athletes yeah it's it's crazy it's, right? it's weird you're like i you're like i love this thing uh -huh. and i just want to know everything about it yeah yeah. Yeah. And then and I guess it was funny for me because at some point somebody like in high school was like, You're you're good at writing and I was like, What are you what are you talking about? <laughs> All I'm doing is like putting the information that's that exists there and I'm like, No, that's you're good at writing. You know, <laughs> it's just funny how that like you have no idea is. that what right. you're writing is actually good. Uh -huh. and, like, and that it, yeah, that it's like full. Yeah. Um, I, I think another part of that where that shows for you is that you are an organizer. You're doing all these clubs and then, you know, leading in now to, to hooligan, which is that's so much juggling of so many different things. How does it <laughs> how does it balance out for you? Do you spread yourself thin a lot? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, I'm I'm juggling, uh-huh. but I also I always say this like I don't feel like myself unless I'm drowning. It's like, yeah. well, that's great. Don't you feel like like swimming, like <laughs> playfully swimming? I you know trying to figure out how to get to that point, right? How to playfully swim? Uh huh. Um, maybe get a like a life like a life boat. Well, how did how did hooligans start? Hooligans started. I was in high school actually. Uh-huh. I was a senior in high school. And um, Morgan Martinez, who I run it with, uh, just dropped out of Columbia um, for personal reasons. And she was like, does any, like, I care about my community. I care about art. Um, Anyone interested in starting a web scene with me? And I was like, me? Yeah. (laughs) Like, already, like, ready to just, like, hop into the world. Uh Uh-huh. And, yeah, from then on, it it was a lot. It began with just, like, you know, highlighting people in our community, um, artists we liked. And then it evolved naturally into focusing on artists that we believed in. And those artists happened to be marginalized voices within mainstream media. A lot of people that are silenced are underrepresented, misrepresented. Um, And that honestly, it wasn't even, it wasn't something that was forced. It was just the people that we cared about, the people that we were listening to, people that we were supporting, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Cuz it's 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 funny because I, you know, I've always seen an intentionality with the people that you're covering in in Hooligan, but that intentionality, it's never like set out in this way and it it does like feel really clear that it's like these are just a diverse set of people and the people that we happen to care about. This isn't like any sort of like forced you know, yeah, like exactly. tokenizing, exactly, yeah. Which is, it's, you know, it's interesting how that plays out because I think that there's a lot of power in just the the lack of intentionality that you mm-hmm. have with you have you know people that are marginalized and you're presenting them, but it's just a matter of what they do. Exactly, and their marginalization has a lot. to you know, it plays out in what in what they do, but it's not like, you know what, we gotta listen to this person because we you know, we don't listen to enough people of color of yeah. different genders. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it really that's the thing when people and I, I'm sure you've heard this a lot, but when people who organize or curate or create whatever it is, content, um, and then they say, Well, we can't find enough like filmmakers that are non men or whatever it is. I'm like, then you're really not trying because they not exist. Trying at all. Like, yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing. It's for me, it's just when there when there was a moment in my life where I was like, Man, I really don't pay enough attention to, you know, this sec maybe I should expand my horizons, explore, you know, more more queer people within like music or something. And yeah. I, and then it was just me personally indulging in that and then being like, well, this is a band that I really like that's really talented and that's it. It's like that's that's something that we focus on is like are these people that we think are talented and interesting and um challenging status quo and like you know, doing these things that we personally vibe with. Um, it's never about do they fit this identity? Um, are they fitting a quota yeah. first? So, yeah. it Yeah, it is it is really like it's it's kind of one of those things that's hard. I think it's hard to explain to people until you see it like after the fact, mm-hmm. how it's been put into practice. And, you know, I remember like recently – uh, you were here. Jessica was on the yeah, show. Yeah, 
Um, shout out Jessica Knight. Love Jess. Top homie. Jessica was like, I I remember like looking at uh the calendar, um for the podcast, and I was like, this has been this whole month has been uh non men. Yeah. And that only came from you know starting a podcast and being like, don't make this a podcast where you talk to other dudes yeah. because there's too many of those yeah. and nobody cares about that. Right. And it's not good. And now, you know, that's it. And it's, and it's wild to see, you know, to look at, to look at, at, at what you all have been doing and to see it as just a matter of like, these are just the people that we're vibing with because we're paying attention. Exactly. They're doing something great. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, was there, was there stated intentionality aside from just, Covering the people that you care about when you were talking about it with Morgan at the beginning? At the beginning, no. It really was just being like whoever – it was being like, wow, there are so many artists that exist around us and we need to provide a platform. That was like our first – you know, to celebrate our art. It's always been to celebrate art authenticity and ambition. That yeah. was like – the motto you know an art web zine whatever and then just i mean just because the people who we are it evolved into something i mean like it and no at, at a certain point it, that that's what's so cool about it is it really was this natural progression like you know into what it is now like there was never at one point like i think of certain large magazines like 17 magazine or like cosmopolitan doing uh-huh. like having someone on the cover like i think one of them had like a woman with a hijab on the cover and they were like our first muslim cover artist and it's like yeah. it's like that's cool but like it 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 feels like okay and that's it ever like you're gonna do one and then say i did it right and it just it's sometimes when i see things like that it feels to me such watered down liberalism like tm yeah. um and so and that was something that, like i always had kind of I always like transgress the leftist politics and I was like always had a little bit more radical views. So like I never wanted to allow myself to ever fall into that category where we're just like doing things because we want other people to like say that we did them well pretty right. much, you know. Well, because I think that you you present it with a philosophy that's not, you know, it's not like, you know, our our first uh you know uh non male uh person of color on the cover of the issue it's just like they're on the cover of the issue and that's it and that's how it becomes normal yeah. is that you don't have to like celebrate exactly. it or point it out exactly. it's just here's your cover artist exactly that's, that's it and it's like you know i i i feel like i have so many people who come in here that you know people of color queer people and i read the write-ups on their band it's like you should check out this queer pop punk band and yeah it's like what the fuck yeah. is that good yeah or not and honestly if they're queer a lot of their lyrics or a lot of their music will probably reflect that in some yeah. way so that's so an example that i like to give for that is like so me and Morgan went to Fest in Florida like a year ago. Uh-huh. I might have told you the story before, but um, and we went for hooligans. We were working, and we were gonna do uh, Femmes of Fest. It was like before we were still like it was you know it was when that word was kind of being thrown out a lot. Femme, you know, uh-huh. like in in people were still trying to figure out the language of like whether that's okay and whether it's not. It worked because it was you know. Uh, FF whatever Femmes of Fest whatever right, shit, right, alliteration right. yeah and so like it sounded it rolled off the tongue and then and we were working with all these amazing artists all these 
um, artists and non-men in um, Fest. And then uh, Lauren from the Warriors actually was like, hey, I actually don't identify as a femme. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, for like, sure. I would love to work with you guys, but like, that's just not something that I'm interested in. And I was like, oh my God. Right. And I was like, I don't even identify as a femme. I'm not a femme. And yeah. then like, you know, I was like, what am I doing? Right. And then... And then what we did was we ended up and like that conversation, having them tell us that they weren't um, interested in that rather than being like, well, screw you. It was like, no, thank you for telling us because now we're going to work on that because right. we're all learning. And so we ended up calling it Voices of Fest mm-hmm. and we ta- and we just represent and then like it's it all it showed non-men, but like we right. weren't like non-men you know right yeah and it was interesting and then we and then i kind of made this project where i talked to all of them about what happened i was like hey like what do you think of like the word femme to represent and like all this stuff and like Uh we're talking to all these different people you know um and it was such incredible conversation like that we were learning so much from and i remember erica from reviver was like hey we're all learning you can't beat yourself up like we're constantly learning like this language is always evolving like we're as a community we need to work together like this is such it, like it was such an incredible realization and then like it was it was such a cool move it was like i think of like also topical uh i don't know if you saw, saw like the rose mcgowan um thing a little bit she was just yelling at a trans woman um on no, stage okay. but like i guess i relate to that like i mean i mean i don't i don't relate to that i mean like relating this to that um if someone tells you hey you're not prioritizing me or hey you're like i like whatever you're standing up for or believing in hurts me in this way you should be like okay how can i work on that right rather exactly than, yeah and yeah. i think i think that you know erica's a really good example too of, oh, yeah. of someone who has has you know seen what using the wrong language can do mm-hmm. to you know affect the speaker mm-hmm. and you know the people who aren't represented and it's it's an interesting you know i think that everybody's putting it together too like all right yeah you know this is a very very well-intentioned way to talk about non-men that are performing at this thing that is mostly men yeah but you know how do we how do we highlight that without just being like yay exactly we're doing it right and it was like voice of fest it totally worked and like and Uh fest was like whoa thank you for showing us all these people that we like didn't even yeah Yeah, this is awesome and there's like i i love that that's what it is yeah voice of fest yeah because that's all it has to be yeah it's people with voices exactly listen to them exactly yeah Uh, um going back to the beginning of hooligan was it was it bi-monthly so yeah (laughs) it's changed quite a bit we just i mean life is the way it is and so things happen but um it started off being um yeah bi-monthly it's still technically is bi-monthly we like morgan had a pretty intense tragedy at some point like uh like our second or like in the middle of our first year like towards our second year and Uh we took a break for a little bit um, and then we kind of got back and so it was yeah it was just uh it's been a journey now we definitely try to do bi-monthly but like right now the four years coming up so we've been like working on that working on that so is it is that easy for you then to to roll with it and to let it happen the way that it happens or yeah and it's it sucks sometimes because we're like we don't know if people are watching like if, if we don't know if like like people are like oh are they gonna release 
I think I don't think most of the time people are waiting. I think they're just like, oh, right. they're releasing a new issue. Cool. Like, I don't yeah. think anyone's like, oh, it's bi-monthly. It's, uh-huh. you know. Hello. Yeah. What Hello, the heck? We're, <laughs> we don't pay for this. And we want it. <laughs> it's funny, though, right? The pressure that you put on yourself yeah. and like, yeah. um, you know, do, have, has it felt like, you you know, you're coming up on doing it for four years. Yeah. Is it chaotic? Has it normalized? Is there... <sighs> It's this weird, we're in this weird place where, so I'm graduating and I am like something that we want in the future is to expand Hooligan into like a media production company. So having like magazine, film section, music, it's just Uh like major, major like life goal. Um, And it's hard because at this point I, like, I wish we made more money off it. I wish we could start creating physical copies yeah i wish money wasn't a thing at all um you know so and it's it's certain things or it is chaotic like i'm juggling a lot of, like i work i have freelance jobs i do hooligan i like you know i'm school so it is it's a lot um but like i said droning um <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna bring you a noodle on the four-year yes, anniversary thank party, you. I'm just gonna bring you and a no one's gonna noodle. get it except us uh-huh. and whoever listens to this oh the millions <laughs> will get it <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting, um, it's, it is chaotic, but I also like love it so much. Yeah. You know, I'm always, I work with so many artists and I learn so much. Like we have, we work with some of the best publicists. We work with some of the best people in the scene. Like it's just, it's such good energy, like working with a new artist that I just like, and then like interviewing artists and like, and I'm you obviously understand it's just, it's, you can gain so much from it. And like, it's. I'm yeah. Just, that connection's really special. It is. Have you been able to. Like it's, I guess it's funny looking at, um, this is like the first interview where I'm like talking to somebody who I, you know, I'm doing something like pretty similar with. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at, you know, issue number nine. It's like, all right, Mitski Mm -hmm. and then uh, Girlpool and Mm -hmm. Julian Baker. And it's like, you know, I look at spots in, in my own uh you know my own library where it's like oh cool like a bunch of bunch yeah. of guests in a row that looks really nice and yeah. then i think back and i'm like man i was fucking not having a good time when all of those were coming out because you know there's so much shit that gets in the way so yeah. you know as you've like expanded this and as you're doing it for like four years mm-hmm. have you uh, do you enjoy like the growth is the growth something that you're yes. able to take in and yes absolutely um, especially with our last cover artist, Jabuki Young White, um, yeah. who's just like such, such a great guy. I met him too in Chicago and we hit it off like so well. And then like the interview, like we just, we were friends. So like it, it was really, really cool. And, um, to work with people who, cause we definitely try to have like, not just musicians on the cover. Yeah. Um, we definitely, that's something that I'm, I work really hard on making sure that it's like different genres different like that's that's kind of how the four years going to be like different genres like we're very much like as when we when we say diversity i mean like diversity of everything yeah i totally put that down in my notes yeah there's there's so many different people you know you go even like astrologers and stuff like yeah yeah it's like super important for us to see how art touches so many different mediums yeah um and shibuki was our first comedy writer um and he's amazing and like it was cool to 
explore comedies and art form because it's something that I've always really appreciated and right. enjoyed. So um, the growth is really cool because I'm learning. I'm continuously learning so much. And like that's something that I like crave. I love to learn. And right. like I love, um, you know, learning from other people's stories, I, you know, and expanding um, my own knowledge of everything yeah. um, like we just <laughs> talked about. So always. Always. Had you interviewed before you were doing Hooligan? Uh, no, I mean, like, I mean, going back to me being a Libra, uh, Libras ask a lot of questions usually. So it is yeah. interesting to be the person that's not asking the questions right now because uh-huh. I'm usually the one asking questions. Right. Um, but like I, I didn't, I just, I've always been someone who's been really good at having conversations with people. That's like uh-huh. been a strong suit of mine. So, yeah. um, it's something that like, inter- like I always, I don't know. I, I never did it like professionally or like, I mean, I was like younger uh-huh. um but i definitely i don't know i and with the whole it's like like i said it's the cool thing with hooligan is it's been a learning process like i've i've become better by the more work i do you know it's, yeah and like i've taken classes in college but it's like i'm not a journalism major right and people always think i am and i'm like no i'm really not yeah <laughs> well it's it's i guess it's funny looking at it because you i think you get very good at interviewing people over the course of the thing and it's funny too that you know like like we've we've chatted a few times and like you're definitely like a very easy conversation and that's why i knew this interview was gonna be fun but um you know it's it's funny looking back at the beginning when you're doing the pretty strict q a format and then over the time it's like i'm seeing the insertion of the person that i know that's coming into it and you start to see where like you know i look at your interview with Maggie Royer yeah. as like a really good point of reference to like where you're injecting yourself so much more in those questions mm-hmm. and like how you feel about that person yeah. that what you're getting out of her it's not like they're answering you know well this is like my process and this is like a you know thing that I talk about in every interview it's like what comes out in a conversation with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly, that's what has been my approach. Like, honestly, when I do an interview with someone, I try to make it as comfortable as possible in like, in like the, in like a very, like I have a conversation with the person yeah, and, and it's funny when Morgan comes with me cause like, she'll be like, record it, record it. I'm like, honestly, like I rem it's weird, but I just remember things or I write it down or something. But like, yeah. I, if, if, it's 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 bad and it's probably not super professional. I record it if it's more sitting in like professional setting. But like for instance, like Phoebe Bridgers, um, we were walking at one point and I was like, just so you know, like whatever we talk about, like I hope, like I'll just like I hope it's okay that I included in the interview. Yeah. And we and like our best conversation was when we weren't speaking, you know, into the phone. Right. It was when we were like taking photos and we were just talking, you know, like yeah. and like that's what I was getting, like some interesting, you know, just us having a conversation. Um and like learning about each other as people, you know, not as interviewer and interviewee. Yeah. So did um, it take you a long time to figure that out? Like how yeah. to do that? Yeah. It took me a while only because I had a lot of imposter syndrome and I had a lot of like, well, this is going against journalistic standards uh-huh. um, and I'm not being a proper journalist. Yeah. Um, and then when I wrote the first piece that made me realize that I could do it was actually the Julian Baker piece. That's yeah. That's the moment. Yeah. That was the moment. And that was also the first time my mom, who was a journalist, was like, that's a good piece. Yeah. 
so and i was like oh okay my mom thinks that's a good piece so, yeah you know, like maybe totally. yeah so i that from then on i was like okay i can actually write narrative style um editorial interviews yes because that's the i write I write nonfiction. I write fiction. I write like I am um, a poet, you know, like this is how I want to write my interviews this is how I want to write these stories. Right. Because to me, it's not just like uh, a news article. It's it's a story. You're telling the story of someone's life. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I think that like, you know, that Julian interview is so good because you get her at a really interesting moment in her life. Yeah. And what comes out of that story is the connection that you two had mm-hmm. on being non-male and punk yeah being queer yeah in punk being religious yeah and and you're you know speaking to somebody who is in a position where her public figure is just like it's she's thrust into this place and yeah. she's figuring out how to identify yep with it and how to present herself in this way and going all the way back she's always had a hard time with it and it's you know it's interesting that was that's such a huge like hooligan article that's when i first heard hooligan Mm -hmm. and i love that like you know it comes out of a time where she's talking to so many people about how crazy it is that she's famous but that's the only time that she's talking about like this is like a really real thing that I'm dealing with right now. And that's like, that's fucking, that's really, really solid work yeah. on your part. Thanks. Yeah, that was kind of when me and Morgan realized like, oh, these people are telling us more personal and intimate details than they yeah. do other publications. Yeah. And that was really cool. And like, we and Julian weren't friends at that point and we became good friends and then her and Morgan became like best friends. So yeah. like we and like me and Phoebe became like all these people that we met like through this, we became close, not before the, I mean like when we had this interview because we had this like such an amazing conversation and connection and, and that was what was so cool. It was like we were able to sit down and like, I, I was serious. I was blown away by I mean I'm still blown away by her I've known her for two years at this point but like yeah. she's still one of you know such a powerful person yeah I think that it it was really cool when we I started learning just to be as myself as possible because yeah. when you're as yourself as possible you're going like especially like the you're just you're gonna get the answers you want you right. know it, it's yeah, yeah and it's totally you know coming from the perspective of knowing you and you know I remember reading that for the first time and being like, this is a fucking good article. And then looking at it again and, you know, like having gotten to know you over the past like few months and just being like, you're inserting yourself in such a productive way. Like the conversation that's happening there, it's just coming out naturally. And I like, it's, it's crazy. And it's like counterintuitive to some and to some extent that the best way to get people to talk about themselves is to figure out how much of yourself to bring into the conversation yeah Yeah. i had the um like when i first started doing this thing seriously like the first like six months of it every single time that somebody stayed after they would just start talking about things that i was like what i wish i recorded that and it's like you gotta you gotta find it and find the place to like put yourself in absolutely because then they feel more comfortable talking to you right the minute you're kind of vulnerable and the minute you're kind of like sharing your own shit 
Yeah. Is the minute they'll be like, oh, okay, maybe I can relate to you on that, connect to you, you know? Right. So it's, uh, it's good work. You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Like, I, I just, like, you know, I, I think that I look at Hooligan and I, I see so much conviction coming out of the publication. And it's been like, it's, it was cool to kind of like check out the, the progress of like, you know, your, yours and Morgan's like finding your place within it and figuring out how to put as much personality into this thing yeah. that you can. And it's, it's awesome to see that like more and more people are taking part and doing it. Yeah. So it's easier definitely. to get people to get on the thing now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as like, like, I mean, like I said, like the publicists we work with are great. Um, music is way easier. Um, when I'm getting, Jabuki was super coincidental because I literally I was getting my I was getting brunch with my friend and she goes can my friend come and I'm uh-huh. like sure and it was literally Jabuki yeah. in like August and then we became friends and then he was like yeah I would love to be on Hooligan you know uh-huh. like it wasn't it wasn't like I had to yeah. go through a publicist or anything uh-huh. um but it's harder with non musicians because we have I mean just like for instance um. I don't know. I'm like, and the next people I want on the cover of Hooligan are writers um, and uh-huh. like poets. Um, yeah. And I like, I have a few people in mind, but it is definitely, I have to go through, it's like a different type of publicity that I have to go through, a different publicist that we don't normally work with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely. But you've been through that I before. Yeah. So, like the cold calling yeah. at the beginning. Oh, like, yeah. Do you want to do our thing? <laughs> we have, we've got one of them. It's not out yet. But. I know. It's like, it was, but people are surprisingly more interested than you'd expect. I mean, actually, yeah. you probably know. Yeah. Like people I are down to do stuff. I can't believe it. I, I still can never. I can't believe you came here. I'm here. <laughs> of course. So, four year anniversary party. It's coming up. Coming up. Are you excited? I'm excited. Yeah, all our friends come from all over. Yeah. So, it's like, it's just a big stressful i don't remember anything every year it's a blur it's a total blur it's like a wedding or a bat mitzvah it's like Uh a complete like i have no yeah um it's great we have a it's we're open from 1 to 11 that day so we're doing a full day fest thing we're having different vendors some vendors are staying from like 1 to 6 and then switching out for 6 to 11 so Uh we'll have like so many different performers and different vendors we're having hair and makeup or hair and nails um people doing stuff we're having glitter guts do photo booth stuff we're oh, having yeah. like um so much happening that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's a i got my court. ticket i can't wait yes. great <laughs> having you on thanks for coming by thank you for having me oh, yeah. this is great awesome All right. Hey, maybe the most meta interview I've done, but I swear interviewing as a science is fascinating. It's something that I pay a lot of attention to and admire the ones who are good at it. And that includes Rivka. So thoughtful, so passionate and so busy feeling like things will always be emotion for her. It's nice to hear, though, you know, about the things that are grounding for her. So wonderful having her on the show. It was very centering for me. Check out Hooligan online, hooliganmagazine.com. If you're in Chicago, the four-year anniversary party is on Saturday the 24th 
at Rut Corp in Bridgeport, featuring performances by Better Yet Hall of Famers Rat Boys, Better Yet Dream Guest Michael DeVille, our friend Ralph Rivera will be there doing a booth for Not Normal Tapes. Plenty more. Should be a ton of fun. More information on that at hooliganmagazine.com slash hooligan turns four. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Uh, you can rate it and write a review. Tell a friend about the show. Uh, like it on Facebook. You can send me a message on there. Check out my new podcast, As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, hosted by myself, David Anthony. Every week, we talk about a different Alkaline Trio song. This week was all on black. And we got a few more in the back catalog. Go check that out. Subscribe to it. The website is betteryetpod.com. Got t-shirts and buttons available there at betteryetpod.com slash merch. And you can also listen to this show on Bandcamp. Betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. And thank you so much. Thanks to Rivka. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Tetsuya. You're filling me up with hope. And everyone out there, I think that this is a time that things can get a little heady and get a little stir-crazy, but we're almost out of it. It's warming up. We got this. Come back next week. Thanks, folks.